Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We got a packed house. What a wonderful day. There's no better day than Easter. I got you. I got you. Um, Jamie and forgot something, but it's okay. We are mixing up the order on you. Um, I'm going to preach some. We're going to sing some more. I'm going to preach some more. We're going to sing some more. We're going to head through the crucifixion towards the resurrection. We're going to wrap up with communion. And I just invite you to, to try and embody the great thing that our Lord and Savior has done for us, that we get to celebrate every day, but especially this day. Before we do that, uh, we're going to pass the, the iPads for our giving just because we do that every Sunday. Visitors, no, don't feel any pressure at all. You ain't got to give nothing. Members, you got to give it all. <laughs> um, let, me, let me pray for that. God, please just bless our offering as you always do. May it be a, a worthy investment into your mission and vision, and would you please just multiply it for your kingdom, God. Amen. Okay, so Easter. You know, for disciples of Jesus, it really doesn't get any bigger than this. You know, this day marks Jesus' victory over death, his resurrection. Uh, It's the cornerstone, the the very foundation of our faith. Everything crumbles without it. We we don't have Christianity. We don't have a New Testament without the resurrection. This is the paramount pinnacle that is the bedrock for why we believe, why we have hope in the future. It doesn't get any bigger. No better day to celebrate. You know, it is um, truly glorious. And so that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to celebrate this. Um, You know, I mentioned we'll we'll have some more songs in between stuff, and so we'll we'll get you up and down just a little bit, but hopefully it's meaningful and, and moving. You know, his... Jesus' victory over death is also our victory over death. Um, but I want to start by, by looking and, and considering what, what that victory for Jesus actually looked like. Because I think um, it's challenging. And I think there's a message for us there to see the mode of victory that God chose. So I'm going to be scanning through the, the crucifixion story that, that Friday night, all through the resurrection from the, the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you want to look at it with me, it's, it starts in Matthew 26. I'll be telling you where I'm going, but, you know, I'm going to hit some highlights and, and move through it pretty quickly. And so I'll, I'll read the verses to you as well. But, so a quick summary, what does Christian victory look like? Well, for Jesus on this day, it looked like this. Anxiety through the roof in the Garden of Gethsemane, begging for God to do something different. Betrayed by one of his apostles and friends. Arrested and then abandoned by the rest of his disciples. Denied by Peter, one of his inner circle closest friends. Handed over to be tortured, killed, in one of the most creative and heartbreaking ways mankind has dreamed up an instrument of pain and shame, never speaking up against false accusations, never defending himself, never striking back. You get the most backwards, upside-down coronation any king has ever had. More pain, more suffering, more mocking from onlookers, and then he dies. And this is, this is victory. This is the upside-down message of the kingdom made clear. 
for the rest of us. You know, if you look there, so Matthew 26, about verse 37. This is after the Last Supper. His, he and his apostles have moved to, to this garden where, where he's going to go pray. And he says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. This is Jesus. You know, have you ever been stressed out? Have you ever been facing something that you wanted nothing to do with? He knows your pain. Obviously, the answer is yes for all of us. He knows what's up. Three times he asked God, let this cup pass from me. Is there any other way we can go about this? But every time, those famous lines, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Our own victory. Can you say, not my will, but God's will be done. Skipping down to about verse 47. You know, this is his prayer time interrupted. Judas has got a crowd. The, the people are coming here. It says, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords, clubs, the chief priests and the elders. The betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Have you ever been let down by a friend? Have you ever been heartbroken? Jesus knows your pain. In verse 56, after this scene, he's arrested, he's taken away. And as he predicted, his disciples lose it. It just says simply in Matthew twenty six fifty six. Then all the disciples left him and fled, completely abandoned. You get the heartbreaking story about Peter denying him three times, just hours after he had swore to Jesus he would never leave him. He would go to death with him. Jesus is like Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's before the high priest, falsely accused, um, not defending himself. They send him on to Pilate, convinced they have reason enough to, to crucify him. Pilate finds no guilt, but the people are enraged, just demanding, crucify him. So he finally relents. He hands him over to the soldiers. And I want to look at this just a minute. This is in 27 now. Matthew 27, verse 27. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. They gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They're mocking him, but this is a royal coronation. They put a scarlet robe on him, twisting together a crown of thorns. They crown him. They put it on his head, and then they put a reed in his right hand. They give him a royal scepter. He's robed. He's crowned. He's given the scepter, all in mockery. They take the scepter back from him. They beat him in the head with it. They say, oh, you're the king of the Jews. Little do they know, of course he is. And this is the upside-down coronation that God had planned from the beginning. And where you would, you know, exalt a king up on a throne and parade him through the town. He gets paraded, he gets exalted, but it's up on a cross. This is the upside-down nature of the life of a disciple. 
of someone who follows Jesus. Finally, he dies on the cross. And so this is victory. This is our model. This is how Jesus defeated death and evil. Apparently, this is true strength. The world sees utter defeat and despair. His own disciples seem to see the same thing. They've abandoned. But this is how God shows his strength. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. I want to say we are called to that same kind of victory. So why would we be surprised when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our own cross and follow him, to suffer for his name, or when he calls us to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, on and on. Jesus did all of this for us and more. So I want you to imagine your own sense of victory, the own victories that you seek out in this life. You know, what do you picture When you think about the call to overcome this world, do you think about something that looks like Jesus' victory here? How do you display your strength? Are you quick to prove you have the upper hand? Do you always have the last word? Or do you let God have the last word like Jesus did? He chose to obediently suffer in silence, and I can only imagine he's saying to himself, just, just wait and see. Sunday's coming. So this is victory. This is what done right looks like. And I hope this is a, a little challenging, but it's also just completely, you know, rejoiceful. Because he did all of this for you. He did it for me. He did it for the whole world. Because of his deep love for us, his desire to set right what we cannot set right, his desire to be in relationship with us, he chose this sacrifice. Praise team, y'all can come on up. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For our sake God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First Peter says it like this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you have been healed. For God so loved the world. We could go on and on and on, but his victory, the life that he calls us to is upside down. And we'll see in a minute, we have a, a powerful reason to accept this life and follow Jesus in it. But now, let's turn to praise. Let's stand up and let's sing about His great love for us. So obviously, it didn't end at the cross. You know, Matthew 28 now uh, accounts that the two Marys, they, they go to the tomb around dawn on Sunday. There's an earthquake An angel appears who rolls away the stone. It says the guards are so terrified that they became like dead men. Verse 5, it says, But the angel said to the woman, Don't be afraid. Yeah, right. The guards are like dead men, but Mary, you don't be afraid. (laughs) For I know that you see Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. 
Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. What a combination. Fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. It goes on, and we know. Jesus appeared to the twelve, the eleven, to, to many disciples before he ascended. This moment changed everything. It changes everything still. Jesus resurrected. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that if Christ has not been resurrected, your faith is in vain. He says about Christians, of all people, we should be most pitied if Christ is not raised from the dead. But He is risen. History shows us that these cowards, His apostles, that abandoned Jesus to His fate Friday night, they, they became very brave. Many gave their lives for the faith. The deserters became world changers. And that just begs the question, like, why? What happened that this would grow after a seemingly random Jewish man died? This is nothing special. Thousands before him and after him, were crucified by Rome. What happened? They saw Jesus alive. They saw him risen, and it changed everything. It turned their lives completely over, and it changed them from just pathetic cowards to brave men and women who completely changed the shape of history in our world. Because of this resurrection, we too have hope. And we too have that invitation to change, to accept this reality and live a new life in light of it. And that same hope can drive us to bravery and boldness. And it should. It should fuel us to live lives that look like Jesus. Paul again in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Uh, This is after he sort of describes some of his own great suffering that that he went through because of the church and for the church. And he just says, Yeah, we believe and we speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also. It is central to to the sacrifice that we're called to, to to the giving that we follow Jesus in. what, what is it worth if not for the future hope of our own resurrection? Jesus himself said it in John 11 like this, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Do you believe that? Even if you die, you shall live. In Romans 6, I'm going to sit here for a minute. It says, don't you know 
that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into that death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We're baptized into his death. We rise into new life and into full assurance of our own resurrection. So this this changes everything. It should change everything for each one of us. And and Easter is a celebration of this change, of this new status, this newness of life that we have in Christ. It's a... you can think of it as like a, a renewal of vows ceremony that, that we'll do. We're, we're renewing the vows we made when we were baptized. Yes, I believe I was buried with you. I joined you in death and I was raised to life new. He goes on in, in Romans 6. He says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we know we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Do you believe that? You have been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives now, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's no greater hope. So it's not just for this life that we have hope. But he offers abundant life here and now as well. But we got to live with heavenly things in mind. Because of the resurrection, our work is no longer a means to an end, but a precursor of what's to come. Do you know that work in the Lord is not in vain? That what we do now impacts eternity? There's no reason to look at anything wastefully when you live a resurrected life. What you do now matters, and it can influence the new heavens and the new earth. Because of the resurrection, we believe in real heart-level change that turns into lives you know, reshaped and turned around, dying with Jesus, rising to that newness of life. We can have it here and now. You don't have to be slaves to sin. You don't have to wallow in hopelessness. Heaven is here, and it's yet to come. The kingdom is is now and it's yet to come. Because of the resurrection, pain and suffering don't get the last word anymore. Powerful oppressors, evil doesn't get the last word anymore. We know it's only temporary and we can share in the attitude that, that Jesus had, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy set before you. You can endure anything with Christ. Because of the resurrection, death 
now it's only temporary. And it doesn't have much time left. Surely we, we still feel its sting, but one day Jesus will finish his work and death will be no more. The end. So when we lose loved ones in Christ today, certainly we suffer. But we know there's a reunion coming. Another Sunday where all the dead will rise and meet Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Because of the resurrection, faith is made certain. Hope is no longer wishful thinking, but a a strong expectation. And love abounds. Because of the resurrection, we are, are now sent by His great commission to, to invite the, the rest of the world into this great and good life that He has for us. I want you to ask yourself and just like prayerfully consider how has the resurrection changed your life? How should it be changing your life? You know, we, we've got, you know, some people in here, we're, we're coming at this from a, a million different ways. Um, this may be great news, but old news to you. So don't let it grow stale. Don't lose sight of how significant this is, of how meaningful it can be still now, decades into faith and into a relationship with God. He wants more. He wants to give you more. You may be coming at this from the complete opposite direction. Just skeptical. You, you, you haven't bought in at all. You're unsure of, of anything I'm saying. I just encourage you to consider you know, the invitation from God. Consider you know, the facts that, that history lays out. Uh, consider a community of believers that, that want to love you and, and show you Christ. And consider new his invitation to belief and life and salvation. At this point, I, I want to turn us toward communion. And so, if you don't mind, some on the end here, pass the trays. Th- those of you that are, are visiting, we do this every Sunday together. This is uh, the Last Supper, the Eucharist, communion. Jesus instituted it there that Friday night in the upper room. He said to do this in remembrance of him. And so, if you call Christ Lord, like we invite you to participate. You can take a cup, they're stacked, so you got juice in one and, and a cracker in the cup below it. Just uh, hold that for now. We're going to think through this and, and pray through this, and then we'll take it together. At the same time, praise team, y'all can come on up, because we're going to move in, into uh, more singing after communion. You know, Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, it it demands a response. And so I just want to give you space to respond to God now and and to uh, remember him. I'm going to read another scripture. This is from 1 Corinthians 15 again. It's sort of the conclusion of just just long chapter where where Paul is, uh, is talking about the resurrection. But he says this, When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, when we're changed, 
then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death will not have sting. Sin will have no sway over us for much longer. If you can just embody the resurrection and endure like Jesus did. The conclusion to this matter in verse 58 from Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The resurrection proves that. Your work is not in vain. You're called to to work as mundane as picking up trash, as, you know, potentially cool as leading others to Christ. All of it is sacred and sanctified in Jesus. And it is not in vain if you'll give it to Him and, and devote it to Him. Because He lives, like you can face anything. So let's remember His death and His sacrifice here. The great suffering He endured for us. Let's try to point our own victories after that same model and mode and let's celebrate His resurrection. That same power that brought Him back from the dead is at work in each of you who believe. So let it work in you. Let Him work in you. Let's pray. God, You alone are good. You alone are worthy of our praise. We thank You just deeply and earnestly for the life you lived, the the sacrifice you paid, and for this just faith-inspiring, hope-building reality of of your resurrection from the dead. Uh, May it touch us new again today and fuel us to, to do things more and more like you and fuel us to run to you in any time of trouble or celebration. Um, God, grow in each of us. Bless this as we take it and fill us again with your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, amen.